Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net. We also have our game reviews in 12 newspapers. You can see the hub for that at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed. We uh, also have our quarterly magazine. The next one will be out at the end of March and uh, skewed and reviewed the magazine. And I appear each week on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We have the simulcast on our site, or you can go to the station at ksw.com, follow the links. They have the segments in podcast format for download and accessibility on radio.com. And we talk all things movies, games, television, pop culture, convention, travel, entertainment, and more. And I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. Joseph was going to be in this week, but he has his uh, kids over at the house right now. And he said it's absolutely chaotic and noisy, and he did not want to constantly have uh, two twin boys making noise in the background while we were trying to film um, records. So he decided to sit this one out. So we're going to be talking a little bit uh, about a lot of topics this week. And uh, first off, we'll take on a uh, topical but yet controversial topic. And this is the trend of scalping hard-to-find consoles and video um, cards. Now, this has become an issue uh, as anybody who's tried to get a hold of the new Xboxes or the new PS5 as well as the NVIDIA 3 Series cards can tell. Um, Sony recently uh, informed investors that they have been um, selling the PlayStation 5 at a loss, no surprise, and it's been reported that there's roughly been 4.5 million PS5 consoles sold so far, and they are referring to this as a strategic price point. So. Um, very common consoles get sold for a loss all the time but what has happened is the issues of scalping is still ongoing and a recent report by london's uh, the guardian indicates that some of the profiteering types have used exploits and bots which allowed them to buy thousands of consoles before they were even listed for sale by major retailers so this isn't hey i was able to sneak in and get five or ten and i'm flipping them these are people who bought thousands of these things before they were even offered to uh, the public. And this has led to a group of Scottish ministers of parliament taking a motion that basically would be similar to the laws on ticket scalping that would make the resale of goods bought using an automated bot an illegal activity. So in this case, it would be game consoles and computer components. Now, some people would say, well, how do you enforce that? That's that's a thing for a, another debate. The way I see it is if I buy a console and then I'm lucky enough to get a second one, I can sell the second one because I can show that I obtained it through traditional retail means. But if I'm sitting here listing 100, 200, 1,000 copies of an item that is in hard supply, then it's pretty obvious uh, you know, that I might have been able to use an exploit to get them. And so, you know, interesting, interesting thing. So let's start off with Justin. What do you make of this? Do you think the U.S. should do this and go from there? Oh, that's a tough question to answer. I don't really know because, you know, I, I generally the way I, I fall on, on these kinds of questions is, you know, typically I, I think when you have uh 
there's there's a lot of unintended consequences where you know the more yes you might be justified in taking action to try to control something but um you know these are complicated things that have a lot of different variables so um given that it can be very difficult to make the right decision because yeah you, you might make a snap uh decision in, in reaction to to something that's going on you know in the market but um it's hard to it's hard it's really hard to gauge how that's going to uh actually affect things um you know you might you might actually end up making the problem worse it's you know it's just a very complicated thing going on so i don't really know what what should be done but uh, I, I will say, you know, as, as, as somebody who has been try, trying to get a video card for a very long time, uh, I, you know, one of the new video cards, it's been very frustrating because I've been, you know, ready to buy one for um, a few months and um, have not been able to find one that that's reasonable. So, you know, at the, at the same time, like, I, I do think it's pretty ridiculous that, um, you know, these these scalpers have basically... Um, taken so much, uh, and yeah, that that's obviously not fair. So I'm not really quite sure what should happen, but um, you know, hopefully the the supply chain can, you know, kind of meet the demand uh, sometime soon. And Michael, your take, please. So yeah, and so just so for some numbers that I've seen reported recently is. Um, According to one site, there was 157,000 um, PS5 slash, uh, I think actually just PlayStation 5 consoles sold on eBay and StockX, which is a, a similar bidding type site, um, uh, which is huge. I think what I'd seen in the past is that there's always going to be a, a, a good amount of sales on that kind of stuff on eBay, but just the amount that they're selling for the prices that they're expand, you know, that they're expanding for on these things, and, and it's 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 one thing I, I'm kind of torn myself because. On one hand, you know, I'm uh, as much as I don't like the scalping idea, uh, I can understand with supply and demand. If you're willing, if you're going to raise your price 10% or 20% um, to get, to get make some profit, I can understand that in some cases. Uh, what we're seeing, though, in a lot of cases, and, and this is true for video cards and it's true for um, the, the consoles, is we're seeing markups of over 100%. And again, I'm, I'm torn between if I were to go to the store. And I found two, and I wanted to sell one and make, you know, I buy one for myself and wanted to sell one for 20% markup or whatever because I know they're hard to find. You know, maybe that's a reasonable thing. Maybe that's expected, you know, something that the collectors have done, I think, for years. The problem is, is we get into these situations where we're, these aren't somebody going to a store and picking up two and selling one of them. These are people who are, are utilizing bots who are buying 20 of them with the intent to sell all 20 of them at an outrageous marked up price. Um, you know, one example is, and I'll use this personal example, is I was able to purchase a 3090 this week from a local person, and the markup was 120 bucks, right? Which I thought was reasonable um, over what he paid in invoice. Um, and, and that's something, you know, I think that what I've been selling, seeing him sell for is, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred dollars over that price on eBay, just selling for that price. So clearly he could have made a lot more money selling it but the reason i bought from him was because i felt the markup was was fair given the circumstances right um but the problem is is we're, we're seeing these companies that are buying two thousand units and all and selling them all to markup on ebay and and it gets hard for people who and i know we some of this is pushed back on the buyers yes it's easy for us to say 
Um, yeah, you don't just wait. Don't buy it from scalpers. And I think people are willing to wait a reasonable amount of time. But at some point, you know, you, you, you have to make a decision for yourself what's best, right? Are you are you willing to wait till June, which is where a lot of the shortage is going to go till now? Um, not just because of bots and scalpers, but because of semiconductor shortages. Um, and there's also the other concerns that we've already seen start to happen in the market where the price of, of components, video cards specifically, are, have increased 100 to $200 MSRP because of the tariffs here in the United States. And they're expecting to go up another 100 or 200 bucks potentially with the cost of memory, uh, the, the DDR6 memory shortage um, that is also occurring at the same time. Um, you know, based on fabs that are available to, to make these things, based on um, components that are, are allowed to, to make these things, based on the sheer number of devices that use um, memory and, and utilize similar chips, um, whether that be tablets, phones, uh, GPUs, monitors, whatever you want to, whatever you, whatever device you want to tie it to. So yeah, it's it's it, it's a trend that's that's difficult. And it's one that I, I think is really difficult to enforce. I mean, ideally, what you would hope to have, have happen, and NVIDIA tried to do this, as other companies, Newegg has as well, you know, adding CAPTCHA-type things, trying to minimize how many shipments are going to one location, that sort of thing. But, but at the end, of the end of the day, there are ways people circumvent that. And if people are really are going to use something, um, it's, it's really difficult to enforce that. And, and who's going to enforce that? You know, is NVIDIA going to go after these people um, directly? Probably not. Um, it's not hurting their bottom line too much because they're still selling the cards. Uh, is eBay going to go after them? Again, probably not because they're making uh, they're making a pretty sizable profit on these as well based on their fees. Um, you know, so who who's really going to enforce these things? Um, the reality is that you're not going to get a lot of people that are going to want to enforce something like that because it's going to be truly difficult to enforce. You know, somebody could be selling five xbox ones but they could have gotten them for five different locations and you know not broken the vendors um agreements that they're they're only allowed one per household so yeah it's a really it's a really tough place to navigate i mean i feel for all those people um me being one of them who is you know actively searching for stuff and refusing to to pay the outrageous markups but at the end of the day unless everybody is going to refuse to pay the outrageous markups there's always going to be a buyer for those kind of things and and it's hard to stifle the demand and, and sell the prices at the, at the quote unquote market rate when there are people willing to pay above that to get the device. So yeah, it's, it's a it's a very complicated situation which is even more complicated now with the ease of use for people buying and selling stuff online. And let's face it, a lot more people have time on their hands. They're working from home. They're at home more often so they have more time to dedicate to doing these kind of things. So yeah, it puts us in a very unfortunate and interesting you know place for a lot of folks who are really anxiously trying to get get these things and that's the whole thing i my kind of take on it is when you sit there and you basically use a tool to buy large quantities of an item then we've got a problem whereas the um what do you call it person who is able to get a couple of product and decides to sell one well to me that's something very very different indeed so um yeah and that and that is the problem you, you know we you hear all these stories about oh um we're gonna have um so and so and so and so is just not gonna buy 
from these scalpers at these ridiculous rates. And so therefore, I'm going to go and do this and I'm going to go and do that. And, you know, and that's fine. And that's it comes down to a choice. But then you get people that just say enough. I'm tired of waiting. And there we have it. So the next topic I wanted to get to was the subject of the new Mass Effect issue that is coming out where they are basically going to not so much remake, not so much remaster, but we're going to be getting a new version of the game. There have been certain comments like certain components uh, from the original releases will not be there. Uh, certain things like butt shots are going to be cut down and so on and so forth. But uh, it's coming out. So Michael, you lead us off. What do you think? Uh. So yeah, I I played all the original ones on Xbox 360. I I have not I have them on PC, but I haven't gone back and replayed the original trilogy. Um, and, and honestly, I, I I'm all for um, remastering editions. I'm all for getting you know uh, higher resolution um, cutscenes, higher resolution graphics. I mean the the Mass Effect trilogy is still you know barring all the um, how upset people were about the ending. I think it was still one of the best trilogies uh, that have come out in modern um, gaming history, uh, particularly on 360 where I played it. So I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, the, the Pinnacle Station DLC is the one that will not be on this version because the source code, not only was they, did they go to the Bioware to find out if they had the source code, uh, but that they had the source code, but it was corrupted. They actually went back to the people that created the DLC and their copy of the source code was also corrupted. Um, so not not much you can do with that without spending a lot of time and money to um, try to go back and recreate that, which is they are not going to do. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm you know especially if they release it at, at a good price. I, I think uh, that the Mass Effect trilogy is old enough now that there's a there's probably a fairly sizable amount of people that have not played it, um, and this would be probably the best way to play it um, in its complete form, right? All the DLCs minus the one uh, remastered graphics. Uh, the opportunity to kind of play through it on, on newer newer consoles, you know, on PC, that sort of thing. I think if you haven't played through them at least once or don't own them, then it would be worth an opportunity to get them and purchase them. So I'm all for it. I think it's I think it's a good a good opportunity for people to you know explore it if they haven't already, and if people are wanting to go back and revisit it with shinier graphics, I'm all for that too. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, uh, I. I really, I really liked the, the Mass Effect trilogy. It's like one of the the best of the last ten years. It was, uh, you know, absolutely monumental uh, in storytelling. Just kind of weaving a, a narrative across those three games. Um, you know, at the outset they kind of build it as like the you know your choices would carry from one to the next. And yeah, I think you know they didn't quite live up to um, that potential, but I think they they did a really great job overall i mean it's a great universe the, all three games are great um in their own ways so i'm pretty eager to play them again um i think this looks pretty great um you know there's a little bit of controversy about the the stuff that they're cutting but it's extremely minor like excessively minor the the 99.9 percent .9 of the of the experiences there it's it's all the dlcs it's the it's the game yeah they're going to change a couple shots but I mean, there weren't obviously weren't important to begin with, so it's not like they're changing anything. Uh, they're not changing the story. They're not changing the characters. Um, it's really just sort of a a pretty good HD remaster um, of these three games. So you can play them on 
on 4K and, and everything. So I think that's uh, I think it's really good. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think it's a case of that people are just constantly looking for something new. And, you know, the debate will be since Andromeda, for some intents and purposes, killed the franchise, um, the DLC never happened as planned, so on and so forth. Many people are basically saying, okay, um, what's next? And it was either a case of you remaster it, which I think is the safe way of doing it, or you go, you drop the franchise, or you plug ahead with a new game. And I think they decided, let's play the safe route, and let's go ahead and see what a new uh, interpretation of the classic games will be before we go ahead and take on uh, that. And it, you know, it gives them a good debate. Uh, so, speaking of good debate, let's talk about the new movie, The Suicide Squad, directed by, written directed by James Gunn, who um, did the Guardians of the Galaxy films, among others like Slither and Super, that sort of thing. And he posted a social media comment the other day saying that the film's done, cut, and edited. And basically, he had next to no interference at all from the studio. Actually, he had no interference from the studio. He said the only thing he got was he did get some notes. Some of them were good. Uh, he, he looked into and others he just eh, ignored and he found it a very wonderful collaborative experience. Now, to compare this to other people, rumored Zack Snyder, who said that whenever they attempted to do a DC movie, they were completely micromanaged every step of the way. Ju uh, Justin, start us off. What do you make of this? Uh, it's hard to tell uh, what happens on the, you know, behind closed doors. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, a lot of that stuff is is we, we hear secondhand, thirdhand reports of, of these things, and a lot of that could be dictated just uh, about a lot of details that we don't know. I mean, we're really only getting one side of the story, um, you know, and it really could just come down to, um, you know, the particular producers that were involved with Zack Snyder. He just had a personality conflict with them, and th that was that. I mean, um, it's hard to kind of... It's hard to tell, and I'm, I'm guessing that there's some bad blood um, that sort of dictates some of this, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, it's good to hear that James Gunn had a really good uh, working relationship with them. It just means that that project probably is going to end up turning out pretty good. Um, usually, if there's a lot of turmoil behind the scenes, then the movie ends up suffering. Uh, so it's good to hear that, you know, he had a very productive experience, so it just means that very likely it's going to end up being pretty good. And, uh, Michael, your take, please. Yeah, and I agree completely. I, I think some of it is personality conflicts for sure. Um, you know, they might have a different vision. It might be how one, one individual approaches it with another individual. Uh, some of it could be trust, honestly. Um, they trusted him because they know uh, the work that was done, and maybe they, were, they, they both had very similar visions. Uh, maybe James Gunn and the producers had, and the executives had similar visions of what they wanted the movie to be. Um, you know, Zack Snyder may have had a specific vision that was, and we see this all the time with um, directors and, and screenwriters where they have a, a particular vision and it doesn't always mesh well with the vision that the producers or the, or the you know, company, the movie studio has for that, for that 
piece, you know, whether that's good or bad. I mean, I think you have to take a look at the body of work and then you, you rely on them to make the right decision as to whether or not they're, you know, that's, that's the direction for the franchise to go. So again, it could just be personality conflicts. It could be um, the visions were more in line with James Gunn. Um, for that, it could be that James Gunn has already signed up to do a sequel, multiple sequels, and he wants the studio behind him for these things. I mean, there's lots of reasons why people will post stuff like this. But ultimately, ultimately what that means is as long as the vision that James Gunn had and the studio has is the vision that the audience is expecting or wanting or hoping for, then it turns out to be a good thing, right? I mean, we've also seen lots of situations where the director, the studio all had the same vision, um, which was not the vision that any of the you know, people, none of the audience wanted. And while they felt they put out a good product, ultimately it's the audience that are the ones paying the the price of admission. So it's really going to be ultimately in their their hands and their decision how it turns out. But hopefully when there's less turmoil, uh, less stress overall, that typically means there's a lot more freedom to kind of get stuff done, um, a lot more opportunity to kind of work through things without last minute changes. And, and hopefully that turns into a better product at the end. Exactly. And so that's um, what the key is. And, you know, they have the TV series coming, as you mentioned. So hopefully good things ahead. So the final thing that we have to talk about today is the um, report coming out from Activision that, to no surprise, there'll be a new Call of Duty game coming late this year. But with BlizzCon Online coming in a few weeks, there have been reports that Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 are not going to come out this year. And then maybe at best we can expect that mobile uh, Diablo game and possibly a remaster of Diablo 2. But for those expecting, you know, a 2021 release of these games, that's uh, looking like it's not going to happen. So, Michael, start us off. What do you think? Yeah, so, you know, I'm not surprised by this at all. I, th I think a lot of this is still pandemic related um, because, again, I, I think a lot of companies are probably doing a lot better with the remote workload and that kind of thing now. But these games have been in development for you know a while. Um, and anytime there's a huge disruption um, and that sort of thing, they want to, and they want to make sure they're you know going to put out a hopefully good product and they're, they're delaying it for those reasons. Then yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by that. Personally, I, I'm one of the, I'm always in the camp, right? It doesn't matter to me when they get it out, as long as they take the time to polish it, make it as bug free as possible and ultimately come out with a good experience. You know, I'd rather I'd rather not rush something out the door. Uh, I think it is going to be interesting if we get to see some more of it at BlizzCon. Um, even though they're not coming out this year, hopefully we'll get some some longer, you know, gameplay footage, some more introduction to it overall, just a, a general idea of, of what to expect. I think that would be a reasonable expectation, um, even though they're not going to be able to release it this year. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to see some of that stuff. But no, I, I don't think I've announcement at all. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I, I'm totally not surprised either. Um, you know, I think the pandemic does affect it a little bit, but uh, Blizzard's also sort of always had a reputation for taking their time with stuff. Uh, that's actually sort of been exasperated in recent years. I think Activision, you know, once Activision sort of molded with Blizzard more, I think there was, there was a bigger push to have uh, some sort of Blizzard title every year or at least every other year. Uh, and usually that amounts to like an expansion for World of Warcraft or something. But, um, you know, I actually think it's more beneficial. I think their reputation was better uh, as a company. I'm, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I've been a fan of Blizzard games for like my entire life. 
a huge, huge fan of um, the Diablo games. So um, I think just overall their reputation as a company was a little bit better when you know they they really kind of um, had a hardline stance on Blizzard time. Uh, that was that was their term for it, which was it was it was done. The product was done when it met their extremely high standards. And sometimes you'd wait excessively long times for a game to come out. Like when uh, StarCraft Two was announced to its release, or um, you know even uh, Diablo three to its release, it was, you had to wait a long time for it. And, you know, that, that was fine because, uh, the, the, the products ended up being really good. Um, you know, Diablo four, it, what we have seen about it so far, does look good. Uh, looks pretty polished, but it, it was obviously pretty early on in, in the development. And they said so when they showed it off. Um, I think now it's been a couple years. Um, and they, they even at the time they sort of set the expectation that it, it was not going to come out soon, and I, I think that's completely fine. I I was totally not surprised to I would honestly I would be shocked I would have been shocked to hear that it was coming out this year because when they communicated it they they sort of set the expectation that it was really a long way out, and you know that's to me that means like 2022 at the earliest. Uh, they did confirm I I think they confirmed that we will be seeing more of it at BlizzCon. I think it's going to be kind of like the center stage thing. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. We'll see, probably see classes and maybe some more about the story or how, how the mechanics work and things like that. But, um, my guess is we'll probably see it like late 2022. Um, you know, Overwatch 2, um, I know less about that. I, I played Overwatch a, uh, a little bit. Um, wasn't huge, huge fan of it. Um, but I, I get why it's popular. Um, so I haven't really followed the second game as much um but again i doesn't really surprise me that's been delayed um i guess is this year like you said we'll probably see uh the long rumored remaster slash remake of diablo 2 i think that will be uh, obviously diablo 2 is one of my favorite games of all time i think that's a great opportunity hopefully they don't make some of the same mistakes they made with um the warcraft 3 remaster which was very poorly received um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I, 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 just even more information about Diablo 4 will be good. Um, and then, you know, if we get a remastered Diablo 2, that, that will be just the... I think that, to me, that'll satisfy me for the year. Yeah, and that's the whole point. I think at this point, people just want something new. It's been... It, we're in that quiet time. We talk about this all the time, about how this is the... Uh, quiet moment between CES before we have um, CinemaCon before WonderCon starts. Uh, obviously, CinemaCon is later. We haven't heard about WonderCon, but people are not really expecting an in-person WonderCon to mi- mysteriously pop up at the end of next month. So, you know, who knows? And we will go from there. But um, at this point, I think people are just looking for any bit of news about what's coming people look at the release charts and say geez you know the next few months looks pretty quiet and depending on where the state of the world is we'll find out if certain movies are going to make theatrical releases in may to any kind of uh responsible audience uh i mean obviously we have things like godzilla versus kong raya and the last dragon and of course black widow to find out you know what's happening with that so lots of interesting stuff ahead And that is going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful 
uh, weekend. Stay safe, and we will talk to you next week.